Welcome to the Strategic Marketer Podcast, where we talk about strategies, tactics, and practical steps to help you become a more strategic marketer. I'm your host, Joseph Lewin, and in today's episode, I'm speaking with Nemanja, the founder of Funky Marketing. In our conversation, we're talking about the pitfalls of focusing on your competition to create a marketing strategy and how relationship-centric marketing can help you stand out from your competition and create demand for your products. Nemanja, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Really appreciate you taking time. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, have this conversation discussion with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my experience in marketing, a lot of times companies, when they're trying to create a marketing, either strategy or campaign, there's a lot of emphasis on what's the competition doing and analyzing the competition, whether that's, you know, how they're doing their social media or how they're doing SEO, what keywords are they ranking for and how can we go after those? Or, you know, just more generally, what style of um, business model do they have? What what does their marketing currently look like? So when you're working with a company, um, how much emphasis should they put on the competition when they're creating a marketing strategy? Yeah. Uh, look, first of all, before we dive into that, uh, one thing that I, I want to set clear is that you need to know who your competitors are and what they are doing. So that's something that you should do. But should you look at that and use it as a, you know, um, as a starting point to come up with something? No, because usually uh, every strategy, every narrative uh, of the company, the story of the company goes from the founder. So it's uh, what's uh, your background? How did you come up with the idea to create the company for the product, for the services, whatever it is, if you mm. have more people involved in the company, then it's more uh, more or less like a culture. So to the founder story, you add the, the stories of the people and in interactive with found people. And I think this is the main point when you find things that will differentiate you from the others. Because, you know, from your starting point, when you started, you uh, you already know the change that you have been seeing out there and based on which you created the product or the service. So we just need to identify that and we start with the change, not with a problem that, you know, you or your competitors are actually solving. You know, I like to go with that because when we go from that standpoint, um, people feel more freely to talk about things. You know, when you said problem, it's like, maybe I want to share it. Maybe no, maybe I'm embarrassed to say that I have that problem as well. But when mm. you come from the change, it's a little bit different. And then you can add more things, not only related to the business, so you can add like we had been doing for the funky marketing for some other companies. It's like, who are those people? What are their interests? You know, do we all mm. like funky music or uh, in some other cases, do we all like, uh, you know, to hang out and spend sometimes close to the water, for example, or hike or whatever it is. We can add that to the uh, to the core of the company to the core identity I of see. the company and then we go from there. I don't even go into the vision and the mission. You know, th that is all under the strategic narrative and it's all over there. If you identify, you know, like four or five steps of the strategic narrative, then we know we know the challenge. We know 
what's happening if somebody you know doesn't go that way we know winners we know losers we know uh you know what are the tools that can help us get there to the promised land right what is the promised land and then so on you know what uh, are some things that we can create when it comes to the content and all those other stuff so we can basically allow everybody that's working with us to go over that journey even on their own yeah so you know you've, you've talked about where not starting with the competitors and and then you know a little bit about what you would do to start and that's kind of more focusing on the story side of it and, and narrative and understanding where this company came from and and that kind of gives you a way to uh, differentiate the conversation from the beginning, rather rather than it being about here's the features and benefits of our product, here's how we're better than everybody else, buy from us. You know, it's starting much more with um, the roots of what marketing comes from, and that's emotionally moving people. And if you're starting that way, you know, there's there's a lot of value in that. But before we kind of move on, what is what are some of the downsides do you feel like or or how do companies get stuck when they spend most of their time at the beginning focusing on their competition and, and what they're doing? Look, like there are some things that people companies get stuck in and it is, you know, uh, it's not related if they go from the competition and, and define those things. Okay, if you go from the competitors, you will be the same as everybody else is. Basically, you will try to do, aha, I know this company is doing good stuff. We can go and do something like that. Uh, or, you know, uh, these, these guys, for example, I have two companies. One was my client, another was their competitor. They were having two bi huge buildings with one street apart of them. One was hmm. a huge company, like 10,000 employees uh, already you know, company going towards enterprise. And the other was, you know, uh, fast growing company, which is considered, uh, you know, as a unicorn here. And uh, now up to thousand people in like two years. Uh, but the thing is, uh, they look up to their competitors uh, too much in a way that, you mm. know, they, they want to have the same structure. They want to do things the same way. They want to communicate the same way that those other companies are doing. And by doing that, they are just doing the same things as those companies are. Because there are lots of things that they are missing. For example, a huge company already has media talking about them. For example, like LinkedIn News, mm. they get tons of traffic on the pages, likes, because they are featured in the news. They are already known mm. public company that you know there is over there and uh this smaller company don't know that so they think aha uh -huh, maybe they are doing you know things in a different way so basically david acting like goliath and trying to win uh by doing the same things when it's not the goliath it's not that long like as you said in our conversation before like the sword isn't that long and cannot reach that far right. you know those kind of stuff. There are lots of nuances that we can go over there. Uh, but I think the point is that lots of companies don't even think about this stuff, uh, about the story, about uh, who they are, identity, those kind of stuff, and what they really want to do, not with their product or the service, but to enrich the lives of their clients or customers. Uh, they, mm. they come up with a vision, with a mission, 
when they redesign the website and they need to put somebody something in about us page you know it happens still happens it's uh 2022 and those things are still happening yeah and i like the david versus goliath example i mean and that could be true no matter what size of company you have if you're trying to go look at what your competition is doing and base your strategy off of that they've been doing that because it's playing to their strengths most likely your competitors and they've figured out what they're good at and even if your companies are the same size they're going to have certain competitive advantages against you and to try to go directly for the things that they have chosen as their competitive advantage it's just it's hard to stand out in the market even if you are good at the same things or better at the same things if you're positioning yourself in exactly the same way as your competitors are very close and going head to head, um, it's going to be really hard for your customers to see the difference. Whereas if kind of to your point, you look at your own strengths, you look at, at the narrative that you're bringing and your unique position, um, you're really able to to differentiate. And, and that difference means that some people are going to want to work with you and some aren't. And some people are going to work with your competitor because you're focusing on something different. And that's okay. But if you are the same, it confuses people. And and <clears throat> I think you're going to have a race to the bottom on, on price at that point. And something that's kind of interesting on that note is, you know, uh, if you work at one company and you have a premium solution, your job is going to be to have a narrative around why a premium solution is worth the money, you know, and, you know, we'll just say if you're, if you're marketing Cadillacs, you know, your job is to, is to accentuate the luxury and, you know, how this is something that people aspire to. And, um, you know, here in the States, it's like, you know, if you have a Cadillac, then you've reached the American dream and you, you know, you're kind of like speaking into, yeah. to these factors. Whereas if you're selling a, a Kia or, you know, or, or a Honda sedan, it's going to be totally the opposite message where you're talking about, you know, how, how it's fuel efficient and how you're going to, um, you know, be able to save money and it, 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 it's reliable. You're not going to have to worry about the repairs. And, you know, with Cadillac, if they're talking about worrying about repairs, <laughs> they're speaking to the wrong audience. And if you focus, if, if the Honda, uh, if, if, if the Honda marketer is looking at, at Cadillac and they go, Oh, we're going to just talk about luxury. <laughs> you know, I think when you give that stark of an example, it kind of starts to go, Oh, that, that would be crazy. <laughs> It'd be like suicidal to do that <clears throat> uh, and try to go directly against your competitor's strengths. So on one side, if good marketing is going to be uh, focusing on premium and luxury, and on the other side, it's going to be price and you have to understand where your value is. And, and I know I'm kind of monologuing here, but I, this is a, very relevant example is something I've been working on lately. Yeah, it is. And that's if you are the premium solution, don't race on price to the bottom. And if you focus, if you have a premium solution and you are losing some of your deals to the low cost provider, that doesn't mean that you should cut your prices in half so that you can compete for those deals. It means you have to have an understanding for what your value is and do a better job at communicating it and be okay with the fact that you're not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, even those bigger companies, they didn't do the same when they were smaller. You know, they had their own competitors and they did their fair share of things differently at that time of the point. Now they are doing different stuff because they are different mm -hmm. company. They, they have grown and they are doing different stuff, talking maybe with different audiences, having different product or the services. So it's just all part of the growth. Yeah, so... 
you kind of touched on this, um, so we don't necessarily need to spend a long time on it, but I just want to give you a chance to lay it out a little bit. Um, so if you're not starting with your competition when you're going with a strategy, uh, where should you start? Yeah, uh, I think for everybody who's just starting a business or in the early stage or whatever, sharing your story and sharing the journey, basically thinking in public as well, those are like the main points that I want to start. And then, you know, uh, thinking uh, about the wider picture about the business, basically you need to send out, um, you need to come up with the foundation to set up everything and it means lots of stuff. So on one point, you want to set up the foundation for the long-term run. And then on the other hand, you need to, you want to set up to get some results right away, you know, because the company still needs to grow and exist, especially, right. you know, if you are dealing with investors, those kind of stuff. And it makes specifically the marketing position like you are on a cross. You need to go in this way, you need to go in this way, uh, and it's it's really hard position because there are investors on one side wanting what they want um, for them. There's a founder wanting what he wants to do. And then, you know, maybe even the founder don't think that way, but you as a marketer should know that, you know, you need to, this is the stage when you need to also build some of the things that will uh, give the further growth in the in the in the long run, you know, and it's kind of easy to focus on the short term gains and on selling right away. Mm -hmm. It it fuels the growth and everything, but if you don't get into the you know into the long term growth things, you won't have the long term growth. At one moment, it will stop, and you will start thinking, "Aha, what should I do now? Maybe it's too late." Hopefully not, but, uh, but you know, that's kind of what's happening and what I'm seeing working with lots of startups, especially, you know, early stage, pre-seed, seed startups. There are lots of mm. things over there. And also one of the things that we didn't even touch is, you know, do you have the right product or the right service? Because these are the moments when you are redefining it, you know, go, going, Absolutely. shipping things out, listening to the feedback, improving and then, you know, uh, moving forward with that. Yeah, and I just kind of want to chime in here too. And these are subjects that that come up a lot on the podcast. But if you're an early stage startup and you're focusing on a very well-established competitor as, you know, how you're going about the market, as you grow, you can expand into other offerings. But if you try to go as wide as your competitors are, you know, let's just take marketing, for example, if you start out by saying we, you know, our competitor is this well-established agency in the area and they go in and they do everything from, you know, the, um, figuring out the messaging, customer research, they do branding and graphic design and they set up, you know, build out websites and they do all of this and they do it for all of these, you know, 25 different industries. And so we're going to just go after the exact same thing. Well, you're going to have so many things working against you, not just on the marketing side, but then it becomes a nightmare on every side. So, you know, if you're going after every market, now you have to have expertise in 25 different markets or the content you're putting out is going to be watered down compared to, you know, somebody that has expertise in those areas. Whereas the larger company can hire in marketers that have specific experience in each one of the 25 industries that they serve. And, and you can't do that. And then, you know, if you're doing 
um, all of the, everything you could possibly imagine in marketing, like, like what your competitors are, then you have to hire people in on your team who have expertise in all of these different areas. And so you'd have to have somebody who knows how to do video editing, somebody who knows how to do writing, a website designer or graphic designer. And, you know, if, if they don't have, uh, understanding in these specific industries, you can really go wrong. So, you know, instead, if you figure out what is it that we're actually doing that's unique, what's our unique perspective, what industries really stick out to us as being mean meaningful, then you can really do something that's better than your competition and better than they could possibly do it because you're small. And then as you grow, then you can start to expand out into, you know, either different offerings or different industries. Uh, but if you're solely focusing on your competition, it, there's just no way you can compete if you're a small company with somebody who has a significantly bigger budget than you do. I mean, you can try, but you know, <laughs> you know the outcome already. Good luck. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. <laughs> that that kind of leads into you know a lot of a lot of the bigger companies focus on more of the transactional side of things you know and and they're driven very much by revenue and quota and a lot of not always but a lot of times they kind of start to lose that strategic narrative that kind of mission focus that a smaller company has um, and it's kind of a, a pretty rare exception that that doesn't happen because they start getting a lot of pressure from investors and whoever else to focus a lot more in the numbers and they start bringing in, you know, different people that help bring more stability to the company so that you're not going up and down, but also, you know, less opportunity to, to, um, try things that are, are risky and new and, and whatnot. Um, so that gives smaller companies the opportunity to focus a lot more on, on their customers. And so, you know, a lot of times in the startup world you see, and again, talking about what the competition does, this heavy sales based model where you hire in, you know, SDRs and they're cold calling people and and driving people to account executives and those people give, get on a demo and then, you know, move on from there um, versus, you know, maybe more of an inbound approach. So um, what is relationship centric marketing and why is that important when you're starting to build out a marketing team? Yeah, uh, let let me start with uh, with one of the companies that that goes into that narrative what you just said, uh, and it's one of the two that I like uh, the most, and I like to reference them. Uh, and it's Netflix. Besides them, it's Airbnb. I like the, what Airbnb is doing, but um, looking at them, looking at uh, then the Google or other companies, they all start 
in a different way. The story wasn't the same as it is right now, as we are telling about the companies. It was a different story. Netflix, Google started differently. Netflix started differently. It was a different subscription model. Just now mm. it's used for this case. But now we are telling the different story. And from the start, the founder is telling the story. Then the customers or the clients are telling the story as the company grows. And then the story changes and adapts. And every, everybody, everyone's telling their part of the story, right? So um, when I look at uh, going to the B2B from B2C, I was looking at those those two companies specifically what they are doing. So like Netflix is having personalized experience for every customer. So they mm. recommend me what are some series that I'm going to watch, what are some documentaries. When something new is coming, they inform me about it. So they go halfway to meet me there. Airbnb is the same. Uh, they give me, when I go and book the apartment, for example, they tell me, aha, uh -huh, in your street, you have this, this place where you can eat. This is what you can uh, use to drive around city. These are the things that you can visit. So they mm. give me the whole experience. They don't wait for me to come to them. They, they reach out to me and give me much more than I'm paying in that way. So uh, looking at that and looking at the B2B tech, it's all well hold on let me let me jump mm -hmm. in there really quick because those are are interesting examples so um what they're doing is they they are actually getting in front of you with a message but that message isn't by buy more from us per se it's more hey have you thought about what you're going to do for a rental car or have you thought about what experiences you're going to do in that city and so the point isn't I mean, yes, it's an upsell. Yes, it's a way for them to make more money, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they're serving you because they've looked for things that their customers really truly need and they're figuring out how to get those in front of you in a way that's that's helpful, where they're getting it at the right time, when you're thinking about it, when it's on your mind, and then it actually adds value because it's not something where you feel like you're being pushed into it or coerced. They're just saying, hey, here's some other options. Have you thought about these things? Um, and so it's more of like an invitation to think about something that maybe you haven't thought about before versus, Hey, come buy more stuff from us. Have you thought about discounts for your next Airbnb or whatever? Yeah. Uh, look like it's smart use of the personalization, not like those, uh, outbound people, not good ones. But the others that are using personalization, they're thinking about personalization ads using, we have his name and surname, that's really going to personalize the email. <laughs> right. it's, it's using all the stuff that they know about you to give you the best experience of using their products and even outside of that. And looking at, for example, those couple of examples, like when we look at now the other bigger brands, will we go back uh, and just do things the old way or are we going to have the same expectations from them as we have, uh, you know, with Netflix and with Airbnb, with Netflix and Airbnb are giving us. So we're going to demand the same experience from everybody else. And I think 2022 is the year when this is happening. Uh, and, you know, looking at all those stuff and looking at the way it B2B space was not only B2B tech, but even out, outside of it, you are in the industrial more so it's even more extreme, I think, than yeah. this. Uh, everything is gray, foggy, mystic. Everyone's talking about themselves, about their products, about their features. And 
you know, starting first from the from the employees. For example, in tech companies, you can go to whichever company you're gonna do more or less the same job. So, you know, you're gonna code, create some features, create softwares, those kind of stuff. But the differences between companies are that you know um, what do they care about? Uh, do they you know support different causes? How do they treat their customers? Those kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. that's that is interesting for the potential clients and the customers as well as for the employees. You know, because they they want to feel about it's not just technology, it's emotions, it's feelings. It's humanity outside of it. And that's the starting point that I take into the marketing when I think about, you know, B2B, B2B space. And coming up with that and looking at the way things are, we have like these two approaches. Everybody knows knows that at one point it's do we have the existing demand uh, so we can just go and focus on closing the demand or do we need to right. create the new demand, which means... You know, nobody knows that our product exists. Nobody knows that the service exists. And uh, now with all the changes that happened in the last two years, the way people buy has changed a lot. So they go into the communities, they ask friends, they ask friends offline, not only online, they go to the feed. So uh, the way I see it, what's the difference? is, uh, you know, if we have the existing demand, then we need to involve, of course, SEO. So we need to have written content and go from that standpoint. But if we don't have the existing demand, we need to go before the intent, which means we need to go into those communities. We need to be present in the feed. We need to create one-on-one relationships. We need to go in the comments as Netflix and Airbnb are doing with us. So meeting people halfway and not just waiting for them to come to us, but us going towards them and uh, basically sparking the first the conversations, then uh, giving them enough information, education, and then it all creates a relationship. So that's the way I see it. And then basically marketing is uh, giving people just or the companies just enough information in each step of the journey so they can go to the next step to the next step to the next step until they have enough information then they will come themselves to us to buy because you know people aren't stupid today we all know if you want to buy something we know where we should go who we should ask for those kind of stuff if we already have a relationship with them you know if they think about i don't know relationship centric marketing or they come up with funky marketing whatever they will come to me for something else, uh, they will come to you uh, or they will come to the community related to that when they feel familiar and ask those people over there or they reach out to the couple of people that they are in conversations daily and ask them, hey, do you know somebody who can help us with that? Or they will remember you from the feed, yeah. seeing your results, seeing what you are doing, seeing the testimonials, those kind of stuff. Or you are remembered because you are different in a way, telling your story in a different way, having different visual approach, those kind of stuff. There are lots of ways in which you can start a relationship and create, you know, demand. But the ultimate thing is that you need to be on top of their mind. And not only that, I like to use that. Actually, I never use that example, and it's good. You need to be in their hearts. Uh, so. 
when they think, aha, I have a problem. I have this one person that I know in the whole world, they can help me solve it out. Yeah. Or, you know, I well, have you, this Again, kind of going challenge. back on that note, if yeah. you go back to what we talked about with not focusing first on your competitors, mm-hmm. you're not going to be in your customer's heart as the only person that can solve this particular problem. If you start out with what are the things our co- competitors are doing and how can we do the same thing or something similar or, you know, be in, in the same uh, narrative position. And um, I actually just had a conversation this week. Um, I had Patrick Hanlon on the podcast. He's the author of Primal Branding. Um, and he talks about how you, you know, basically you have to have some something that people buy into that they can latch onto. And, um, he he has these these different steps of, of of things elements that people are looking for, and one part of the con- uh, conversation that was really interesting to me is you're not even always marketing to people who are going to buy from you, but people who ultimately get it. And sometimes those are the people who are the most negative about what you're doing in the beginning. And if you bridge that gap and build a relationship, they can become your biggest. Yeah. Evangelists. Yeah, and that's huge. you know, one one example that kind of came up from a non-business perspective, but just to kind of show how um having a a strong message that people oppose to the point where they're willing to like really lash out about it. If you're willing to engage with those people, sometimes they're they're the best advocates. And you know, we talked about how, you know, in the in the Bible you have the Apostle Paul, uh, but originally he was one of the biggest opposers to the early Christianity and he's, you know, fighting with, yeah. uh, basically going out and trying to imprison people. And, and he's there when, when Stephen's getting stoned and, and, you know, he's kind of the main opposition. And then he has this experience where, you know, he's on, uh, on the road to Damascus and has this experience, conversion experience, you know, where he kind of saw the things, how they were and, and he's converted, but then he becomes the greatest evangelist in in the early Christian world. Um, and the point of that is just seeing when you take a stance, there's going to be people who are going to be negative towards it. But those people could be the people you reach out to. And even if they don't become a customer themselves, they could be an advocate for you. And I've, I've had this experience myself where I've connected with um, a guy who's been on the show, Brian Wallace. He does infographics and he's awesome. He's uh, my my secret weapon for ranking for SEO. He's awesome. Um, and I've recommended him a ton before I would ever had the opportunity to have him work with us. And now he's, he has worked with us and it's been awesome. But I mean, I recommended him to three or four different companies before I ever got the opportunity to work with him. And there's other companies like that too, where I'm an advocate for them and I might not ever be their customer because they've won me over. So sometimes it's not even looking for people who have buying intent, but looking for people who get it that, and maybe those people are even negative now that you can convert to your way of thinking over time. And then those people can be an evangelist for you. And that's where you really move into the power of marketing is it's not just what you do, but the residual of other people talking about what you're doing um, when you're not there that continues to push y- uh, your message forward. Yeah, let me just sli- slip in. You, you reminded me now of, of one thing. Uh, you know, when you choose who you're going to connect with on LinkedIn and choose LinkedIn as a platform when you're going to, you know, focus your marketing on you need to uh, know that sales and marketing people are the 80% of the people on the platform active people 
And uh, if your target customers are in sales and marketing, you need to go over them to get to, you know, to your target customers. And on LinkedIn, you don't go to the search and type, you know, CMO, CEO, CFO, and just add people. Because lots of people are inactive and they may never see your connection request, your message, whatever. You're yeah. just wasting your time. Instead, you are going after active people who are from one side, your uh, peers. So somebody who's also in marketing, working with different kind of stuff. And you know that your content is great. They're going to recognize it. They're going to recommend you. You know, mm. they, they will look at you as a, as a teacher. Then you go after people who are going after the same target group as you. So basically, uh, you are aligned. They are communicating with the same people. You have those people that are your target group on their posts. So mm -hmm. you go over there. That's one thing. And also, uh, you know, uh, you're not going only after the decision makers. You are going after the people that will use the tool or the services. So it means connecting with a, and creating relationship with a whole bunch of people that may never be your, uh, you know, your customers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you reminded me of that because, you know, they may recommend you, you may never know who they are or, and things are changing uh, very much these ways, these days, like not only in the, in, in the tech industry, but all around people are changing jobs. And, you know, you never know who's going to work where in 10 months. You yeah, have no idea. Absolutely. And you need to think about that as well. Well, and the lines are blurring also between job types. So maybe you're an yeah, engineer and then you go into sales or maybe you're a salesperson and, you know, you transition into HR recruiting and it, it happens a lot. And I think that's actually happening more now than it, than it ever has before, where people yes. are making career transitions, maybe even major ones. And sometimes they go to a, a coding boot camp for three months and they go from being a teacher to being a, a developer and an engineer. And I mean, I have friends that have literally done exactly that and completely people, changed. Yeah. Um, so you never know. Also, you know, maybe you're part of that journey that helps somebody make that transition because of what you're looking at. And that person's going to be an advocate for you for a long time to come. If you, if you impacted their life like that by um, adding value. Yeah. So I, I, I don't normally ask questions about people's background and stuff pretty much at all. Cause I like this podcast to stay super practical and people can listen to other podcasts where they, where they go deep into people's background and how they got where they are. But in your case specifically, you have a, a very unique background growing up in, in Serbia and the Balkans. And there's been a lot of war, um, you know, even until fairly recently, there's been a lot of war. And so I'm just kind of curious how growing up in that environment, impacted you on a personal level and then how that's affected the way that you look at, at marketing and your approach to business. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's very interesting in a way that, uh, you know, um, uh, just, just to kind of, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, couple of things about Serbia, we know, uh, there are lots of people that speak great, great English and they are very, um, used to finding ways uh, to make something work, even if it looks, you know, impossible. And uh, those things come up with, uh, you know, with the way we all grew up. Like in, in 1990, uh, 1999, we even were bombed 
you know, by, by the NATO. Uh, and it's not like it's happening somewhere over there. It's happening in my city, in every city, basically, wow. in the country. So uh, we need to go and hide in the shelters under the, the buildings, those kind of stuff. But, you know, while it's still a day and there are no planes uh, over there, there are no sirens to announce them, we are going to go and play basketball for five hours. You know, for us kids, it's like a vacation in, in a way. Because we didn't, you know, we didn't have school at the moment because of that, for example, that summer. We just play basketball for the, for the whole day. Uh, but then, you know, when you hear the sirens, you think about where's my mother, where's my father, where's my sister, you know, I need to be closer to them. Uh, and it's the whole, these things challenge you to think to think a little bit differently about, about life, about death, mm. about what's going to happen, about the bigger decision that's being made. Over there, in my lifetime, we had a revolution. We, uh, I lived in a couple of different states, states named different names. Um, and, you know, one thing that stood out is that uh, we managed uh, to think and to get out of the difficult situations. You know, we might be poor, but we will find the solutions to go there. If you ask somebody on the street, like, Hey man, how are you? They just say, oh, it's all good. It's all good. No worries. Nothing is good, but that's just, you know, people talk and that's the mindset. And, um, you know, I think that causes that right now in, in Serbia, we have even the, the huge startup community, the ecosystem that is driving up, building up. Like here in Ovisa, there are around 200 tech companies. So it's... Uh, you know, wow. and we communicate easily with the U.S. Uh, because we are direct, just like people in the U.S. are and get, get you know, we can get honest and you know, straight to the core. Because, uh, you know, in my opinion, that's who I am. Maybe not every people, every person from Serbia is like that. It all got me to the point when I like to push things to the core. Uh, no bullshit. I get directly to the point. And, you know, if you're not doing the good job, I'm going to tell you. If uh, because of what you're doing, I cannot do my job well, I will tell you. Or yeah, and it seems you're... like you're able to go in. You know, I had uh, uh, Ravi on, on the podcast not that long ago, and he was talking about growing personal development plan, essentially, for growing and marketing. And one of the main things he talked about is... Um, being a person of action and managing ambiguity. And it sounds like your experience has really helped you to do both of those things. And, and it's interesting because it, it sounds like when you go into a business, you're able to really quickly see what's the fluff, you know, what are people focusing on that's not effective and how do we really get down to the things that work, the things that move the needle. And that's where you're saying, Hey, building relationships with people and, you know, getting away from the established way just because it's the established way. And it sounds like kind of your experience with, all the different things and, and having to manage um, things changing constantly has helped you to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that helped me a lot. And uh, also, like growing up playing basketball, my father was a coach and somebody who, like, when he was younger, was a player, and he brought up, you know, uh, the records, the funk and everything. That's what influenced, you know, coming up with the funky marketing and this kind of stuff. And, and I always go back, go back to the roots, to those kind of things. 
when I when I start feeling like I'm copying somebody else. You know, like you can easily go with a flow. Like at one moment, for example, in my content, in everything, I felt like, okay, I'm writing what everybody else is writing. I need to just stop and do things differently. Or like when people start coming to us, the whole website was demand generation from the start. People started to come to us, you know, and, you know, everybody wanted to do the advertising and I didn't want to do advertising. Demand generation isn't just advertising for me. It's, it's brand, it's world of mouth, it's content, it's inbound, it's a lots of uh, lots of other stuff. Uh, and I was like, we're going to rebrand, we're going to change the whole website and we're going to name it relationship-centric marketing. Mm. Because that's what we are actually doing and that's how we're going to tell the story. And yeah, it's and like the same that, with the it visuals and everything. All of those pieces together. Because if you say, yeah. hey, we do all of these different things, it gets to be confusing and people don't know where to put it and, and they get confused. So when you say relationship-centric marketing, it, it, it kind of ties it together and then you can go any direction that you want. So on that note, um, just to kind of close it out here, what are some practical steps that marketers can take to have a more relationship-centric approach to marketing? Yeah, I think uh, like, I don't know if it's going to be practical or not. Uh, I think couple of things first of all they need to get to know themselves or their company and know who they are how they are different what are they bringing that nobody else is bringing what is going to happen if they don't exist will it change something you know mm. i like to call that part of popular psychology uh but on the other hand you know what i feel lots of people aren't doing when it comes to you know creating real relationships just people are just focusing on the feed, on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, it's Twitter, wherever, and not getting into the DMs, into the inbox of people, because mm. this is where the true relationships are actually starting when we talk one-on-one -on -one with people. And you get the feedback for, for your content, for your services, for whatever, when you get one-on-one -on -one into the, the people. Completely because, agree. You know, like people that will never comment on the post, but they are seeing everything, reading everything, watching everything, and, and until you ask them, you won't know what where they stand and you know when you come from those things and when you get those two parts like uh things will start happening and you can go only with these two you know what what your product is you know what your service is you know how you're different it helps you create the content and you get you know start connecting with people get uh you know get their feedback or whatever you're doing and basically, when you have all that, there is one piece that I think is essential. We didn't think about it, uh, talk about it at all, but it re relates to everything that we have been talking about. And it's essential to bring, to build relationships with people. It's content distribution. It's, you know, you know the journey, you know where people are. And to be able to give them just what they need to get to the next step, you need to distribute the content the right way to the right people at the exact time when they need it. So, Sounds like we have you know, a, a subject for another podcast. because exactly, exactly. That's awesome like and that. it's super important. And I'd love to learn more about that from you. Um, well, thank you, Nemanja, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, what, what are some ways that people can find out more about you and, and what you guys do at Funky? 
Thanks, man. Uh, well, basically, they can they can type in uh, on Google and wherever it is, Funky Marketing or Funky Marketing Show, it, if they want to get to the podcast and uh, listen, you know, me and other professionals like you. I hope you will also join the, the show. Uh, talk about different different things. Uh, also, like, they can find me, uh, Nemanja Zivkovic, anywhere. Uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm basically, basically everywhere. I think it's um, easy to find as, uh, you know, my favorite band, The National, has the song now called like that. Love it, man. Yeah, and I'll put a link to um, your website and LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can find you. But yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks a lot. I enjoy, you know, talking about things and getting to know you as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to The Strategic Marketer wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could do me a personal favor and hit five stars on the rating, you don't have to leave a full review, just hit five stars. It would really help me out. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Strategic Marketer. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232.